0: Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripts Five Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 15th January 2021. I'm Ian Haydock. The JP Morgan Healthcare Conference dominates events this time, with multiple updates from a broad range of companies. But there was also other major deal action in China, lessons to be learnt in Alzheimer's disease development, and a major pipeline briefing from one large German firm. Among the highlights from days one and two of JPM, the script team reported how Amgen continues to be under pressure to generate new drugs and engage in business development that can contribute significant revenue growth, as several blockbuster products face ongoing competition from generics and biosimilars. As expected during the Q&A portion of the company's JPM presentation, CEO Bob Bradway was asked about the company's deal-making prospects this year. We have a world-class business development effort, Bradway said. We are focused on finding opportunities to invest in our business internally and externally. We recognise there's great innovation around the world now in the biotech area, so we are canvassing opportunities that we think are a good fit strategically. He continued that we have maintained a strong balance sheet so that we can do deals at a variety of different sizes. I'd remind you that a little over a year ago now, we committed about a total of $19 billion externally. Of course, our Tesla was the biggest piece of that, but it's a reflection that we are prepared to invest in attractive opportunities in our space. Gilead Sciences also grabbed attention on the first day of JPM by raising its 2020 sales guidance by about $1 billion, driven by increased sales of Vercluri as the COVID-19 pandemic surged again during the fourth quarter, but also from a continued upward trajectory for top-selling one-pill combination HIV therapy Bictavi, CEO Daniel O'Day said. The executive said 2020 was a year Gilead would not want to repeat for a variety of reasons but he took pride in how the company both addressed the pandemic and also acted on its other priorities, including 18 significant deals, headlined by the $21 billion acquisition of Immunomedics that brought in Tredelvi. O'Day called Tredelvi a transformational medicine for our oncology portfolio, outlining plans to develop the antibody drug conjugate beyond its initial indication of third-line metastatic triple-negative breast cancer to 10 tumour types in total, as well as ulcerative colitis. Discussions on drug pricing were few and far between in the initial days of the JPM conference, but Pfizer CEO Albert Baller was asked his thoughts on the topic during a presentation on 12 January. We have arrived in a situation that we need to reform, that needs to change, he said. I think it has become a unanimous concern for all of us, Baller added. If you ask any of my peers and good friends, they will tell you that one of the highest concerns is that in the US, Patients are getting their medicines as if they don't have insurance, although they do have it. Industry supports US policy changes that would reduce out-of-pocket costs for patients and improve patient affordability, rebate reform for example, but strongly opposes other policies that have been introduced, like an international pricing benchmark. Meanwhile, Merck & Co should look very different coming out of 2021 than going in, since by then it will have spun out the Organon Women's Health business, biosimilars and legacy brands for the remaining company that means even more reliance on Keytruda which has been a concern for analysts and investors but it does free up Merck for new business development activity pushed at JPM on the possibility of deals CEO Kenneth Frazier said Merck doesn't consider size as the most important aspect but he acknowledged there will be pressure for a sizable transaction with the loss of exclusivity for Keytruda which is coming in 2028 a good asset that has size and can grow and provide us with growth beyond the LOE would be ideal, Fazier said. Away from JPM, other deals were still being struck. Days after Beijing obtained national insurance coverage for the drug in China, the Beijing-based firm reached a partnership with Swiss pharma giant Novartis to develop and commercialize its anti-PD-1 antibody Tislelizumab in the US, Canada, Mexico, Russia, Japan, the EU, UK, and other European markets. Beijing will receive $650 million up front and is eligible for up to $1.3 billion based on regulatory milestones and $250 million in sales milestone payments, plus royalties on future sales in the licensed territories. Brian Yang reports from Beijing that the two companies will jointly develop the immuno-oncology therapy in these markets, with Novartis responsible for regulatory submissions and commercialization. Beijing has an option to co-detail the product in North America, funded in part by Novartis, while both are free to conduct studies with potential combinations. This is actually not the first time for Beijing to reach a global deal for the drug, as in September 2017 it signed up with US Biotech Celgene in an agreement worth 1.39 billion. However, the alliance failed to come to fruition due to the 2019 acquisition of Celgene by BMS, which already had its own PD-1 antibody blockbuster in the form of Opdivo. Since this deal fell apart, Beijing has been looking for a new partner to take its asset global, in part due to the extremely competitive I.O. sector in China, where there are already multiple local and multinational players and competition is only set to become more crowded. Returning to JPM, Lilly has learned a lot about what it takes to fail in Alzheimer's disease drug development, but has applied those lessons to its next generation anti-amyloid antibody, Donanimab, CEO David Ricks said on the second day of the conference. Ricks described how the company used what it learned to design the Phase two Trailblazer clinical trials of Dananimab for success, as seen in positive top-line results from the first study, which were reported on the first day of the virtual meeting. Mandy Jackson in San Diego writes that it remains to be seen whether the US FDA and other regulators will be receptive to Lilly's approach. But Rick said on 12 January that the company will submit data from the first pivotal phase 2 trial to the FDA while continuing to enroll patients in the second pivotal phase 2 trial. The company will raise the question of whether accelerated approval based on the completed Trailblazer ALZ study may be possible with the condition that the phase 2 Trailblazer ALZ2 trial or a larger phase 3 study confirm the prior results. The Nanimab targets a modified form of beta amyloid called N3-PG and slowed Alzheimer's disease progression by 32% relative to placebo, as measured by a composite primary endpoint measuring cognition and function in the 272-patient Trailblazer ALZ study. Results from the roughly 500-patient Trailblazer ALZ2 study are not expected until 2023. Finally, Bayer has been discussing some of the 50 projects in its clinical development portfolio, including the promise offered by its newly established cell and gene therapy platform. At a virtual pharma media day, the German major highlighted in particular its efforts to advance a promising mid-stage programme of investigational factor eleven targeting anticoagulants. First up was a small molecule oral FXI inhibitor, codenamed BAY2433334, which has begun a phase 2b programme called PACIFIC, which is looking at the prevention of major cardiac events and stroke, and aims to enrol more than 4,000 patients. The firm is also enthusiastic about the prospects for an anti-FXI antibody and an FXI ligand conjugated antisense oligonucleotide which is being developed under license from Ionis and which is in phase 2 trials in patients with end-stage kidney disease. FXI pathway inhibition may offer protection from thromboembolic events without increased risk of bleeding, the company believes. Kevin Grogan writes that Bayer also highlighted the promise of P2X3 antagonists that it is developing through an alliance with Evotech, noting that a compound has entered Phase 2B trials for refractory and or unexplained chronic cough, with a trial in endometriosis soon to follow. In addition, Phase 2A studies have commenced for overactive bladder and diabetic neuropathic pain though Bayer has a lot of ground to make up on Merck & Co's pixant the most advanced therapy in the P2X3 class. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Links to all these stories in full are given in the article accompanying this podcast. And also don't forget to check out Scripps' sister publication, The Pink Sheet, for all your needs on policy and regulatory insights. Bye for now.